This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. I see both of us were dive-bombed by crows walking into the ledge today. There's a very aggressive couple of crows yeah, just the outside back. the legislature protecting a nest, yeah. obviously. Yeah, they swooped me, got me in the head. Did they? Uh, Did well, they the, actually the wings, hit? The wings uh, swooped my hair. <laughs> Your <laughs> much famous to, hair. Much to the delight of a throng of school children who were visiting the ledge and oh. started laughing their heads off as they saw me ducking for cover. I've, I've heard of people who not only got winged, by the by, oh, know, we by had a, a woman sent to hospital two years ago. Yeah, bleeding, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the back of the legislature, the school entrance. So yeah, there's, Ooh. there's strength in numbers Be with careful, the school kids. kids. But if you're single, yeah. one person walking alone, uh, it can be a bit a bit hazardous. They all have to put a sign up out there. They usually do. Beware, dive bombing crows. Okay, let's talk about uh, the Western Premiers Conference here that just wrapped up, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting that one of the things that came out of this was. The Western Premier is united and disappointed that the federal government did not come through on this federal bail reform. So we've all heard about the violent repeat offenders, the rinse and repeat justice system, and, and Ottawa promised to tighten this up, and, well, they, her, and it, nothing happened. Well, well there, there was a bill, but what happened to the, the bill? So they introduced the bill, but there's always a suspicion, certainly talking to BC officials, that the government was half-hearted on this in terms of the federal approach. Lamenti, the minister, at first said there's no problem, you know, uh, there's no need for anything to do. Finally, a big lobby effort from uh, provincial justice ministers, attorney generals, public safety ministers, um, forced his hand, brought in a bill, but they let it basically sit there. They didn't call it for second reading even. They didn't even get to that stage. And there was a a fear amongst the provinces this is exactly what was going to happen. There wasn't really a strong appetite for the federal government to get involved here to amend the criminal code. Now, it's still on the order paper. It hasn't died. Uh, it doesn't have to be reintroduced when the House comes back in the fall. So presumably it will be called for second reading and pass the committee stage and third reading. Then it has to go to the Senate. So we're still talking months before, um, assuming it eventually does get done, uh, before this thing actually uh, comes into effect. So okay. we're, there had been hope that it would be passed before the House rose, but there was still a some realism that it wasn't going to be. Let's listen to Premier David Eby commenting on this yesterday, the lack of bail reform as promised by the feds. Let's listen. We discussed crime and uh, the bail reform bill uh, that uh, was uh, not passed uh, at the federal level uh, and our shared urging to the federal government to prioritize the passage of that bill and our shared deep disappointment that that bill was not passed in the recent parliamentary session. That's E.B. speaking at the Western Premier's yeah, I've conference. Heard, I've heard rumblings there might be a cabinet shuffle and Lamenti might be shuffled out of that mm-hmm. portfolio and someone with a more um, edgier position when it comes to crime. I think governments are realizing the whole issue of public safety is risen to the fore and taking a soft approach is not cutting it with voters. And you're certainly seeing a change in the provincial government here. Uh, where you know they got to the point of actually demanding changes to to uh, the criminal code on this, which wasn't their position last year. So I think you're seeing other provinces fall into line here, and I think you're going to see Ottawa 
realizing where the public mood is, uh, taking a tougher line. Maybe yeah. that means changing ministers. And you could have, obviously you're going to have more pressure continued to be applied by the uh, opposition. You remember when Pierre Polyev, the conservative yep. leader, was on here talking about jail, not bail. Jail, not bail. This is what he wants, jail, not bail. So we, we can anticipate more political fighting over this likely in the fall. I think so. And uh, yeah. again, the pressure is going to be on Ottawa to get this thing through. Don't let it die on the order paper. Yeah. Okay, uh, speaking of crime... Port Coquitlam now mm-hmm. has introduced this bylaw, no public drug uh, bu- drug consumption in, in Port Coquitlam. So passed unanimously. Passed unanimously. That's very interesting. Let's listen to Poco Mayor Brad West. Now, remember, this follows the B.C. government decriminalizing drug possession in consultation with the feds. And here's what Brad West had to say about that public drug consumption on the rise. I'm sorry. You can have all the compassion in the world, but... It's not acceptable to have that sort of activity happening in children's playgrounds. It's just not. I mean, it's pretty simple, I think. Uh, And so we're going to take that step in Port Coquitlam. I suspect other cities throughout Metro Vancouver are also going to look at it. Yeah, well, there's a number of new new Democrats on that council that passed this unanimously. I think uh, this is putting pressure on the B.C. NDP, who had to change their position a bit when it comes to public safety. Um, decriminalization is not going the way uh, that had been planned. David Eby, in the last week of the House, called it an experiment, which wasn't the type of words used to describe it when it was first rolled out. You got the impression this is this was a sea change. This is the way it's going to be forever. While there's been some problems associated with this that uh, were either not foreseen or not prepared for, uh, you've got the BC Liberal, BC United Party, which put another. Looney in the t- in the jar in the jar here for the name change <laughs> problem, um, yeah. I mean, they supported it at the committee stage, but they pointed out they assumed there was going to be these guardrails in place, yeah. and they're not there. So you've got councils now leading the charge here, and I think you're going to see now. EB has promised the government's going to do something, but it's not entirely clear what the government's going to do. Well, Is isn't it-, it kind of a no-brainer? You can't use drugs in a playground. Yeah, you know, you can't use drugs in a in a park. And, you know, you got EB here pointing the finger at the feds. Oh, we're so upset they didn't pass bail reform. Well, why doesn't he do something on this public drug consumption? This has been going on for months. It raises the question, though, of enforcement. Um, You know, mayors to say, well, we've got uh, bylaw officers. I'm not sure how many bylaw officers want to wade into a potentially, you know, unknown situation of drug users at night in a park. Is that the safest thing for a bylaw officer to deal with? Okay, let's talk about this this horrifying case of this foster child who died and the two foster children who sentenced to 10 years in jail here. And, you know, the descriptions that have come out of this court case about this child being neglected and tortured and, oh, it's just absolutely and, and uh, unbelievable. Foster child as well, who didn't die, but who was also uh, tortured as well. So horrible case. Just absolutely, absolutely horrible. Now, they're are calls from First Nations leaders. Is it, we're talking about this is an Indigenous child here, okay? And First Nations leaders calling on the minister responsible here, Mitzi Dean, to resign. Here's Cheryl Casimir, First Nations Leadership Council. A child dies under your watch. That is enough for me to call for your resignation. And if they had followed through on the policies um, that guide them, they would have probably been able to determine at a much earlier stage that something was not right. Okay, David Eby, the Premier, asked about this case and uh, also the demands for the resignation of his minister responsible, and here's what Eby had to say. 
The system failed these kids as well. Our social workers were supposed to be checking on them. Our social workers were supposed to be ensuring their safety. And something went horrifically wrong here. Minister Dean and myself are as horrified as the First Nations leadership about what happened to these kids, as horrified as all British Columbians about what happened to these kids. Okay, and he went on to say that he has confidence in the minister. He's not going to fire her. Your thoughts? We, we don't have ministerial resignations uh, happen anymore. I mean, that used to be much more common in the 80s and early 90s, but it really hasn't been the case. That particular portfolio is a is an, almost a no-win portfolio. There's always tragedy associated with that ministry. And I think if you set the bar that um, for resignation because someone dies, unfortunately, as it is, it's, you'd have... A revolving door of ministers. I think, that, but you heard Evie say the social workers did not visit. The system failed. This is the problem. Yeah, that's and a straight so up a, admission. There's there. an, an investigation now by the children's representative. Right. And so we'll see what comes from that. Yeah. That's going to determine, I think, what happens here. Not, you know, what other groups want to see. What happens? And he expressed confidence in Mitzi Dean, uh, who I don't think has been the strongest minister on this. We had a. An interview with her on Global last week where she basically gave the same answer over and over again, seven questions about different aspects of this. Yeah. And it is true, ministers can't talk in detail about individual cases because of privacy concerns or, or investigations that are ongoing. But she could have offered a little more information than she was EB, EB yesterday also said that the government intends to, to continue with this policy when you have Indigenous foster kids who represent the, the, the large number of Mm -hmm. children in care or indigenous kids that the preference is to place them with indigenous foster parents. And that was the case in this particular tragedy, indigenous mm -hmm. foster parents here as well. So he's saying that's going to, going to continue. And I think that that does not um, relieve the, the ministry of the responsibility no. to check on these kids. Yep. And as you heard him say right there, it well, failed. The it, system failed. These children. No one checked in for seven months. Presumably, right, yeah. if someone had checked in, they would have seen what was going on. Yeah, uh, right. The horrors that were being, uh, these kids were, were being met with. So, yeah. again, it's going to be interesting to see what the children's representative, Jennifer Charlesworth, what she comes up with with an investigation here. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are looking for answers. But I don't think you're going to see a resignation or a change in ministry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real quickly, uh, yesterday the announcement on free air conditioners for vulnerable British Columbians two years after the 8, deadly 000. heat dome, 8,000 air conditioners. Here is Isabel McKenzie, the seniors advocate, uh, calling for more action. Let's listen. There'll be other people for whom that's not going to work, and we need to get them uh, to a cooling center, for want of a better term, we need a bit of an evacuation plan. And we haven't got that piece totally sorted out yet. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's also unclear why it's going to take three years to um, get these 8,000 air conditioners. Maybe there's not 8,000 air conditioners out there. Maybe it's a supply chain issue. I'm not entirely sure why it's going to take three years. Also, it's my understanding that we're not just talking about uh, air conditioner in a single unit. It's also in the lobbies and common areas of some of the, we're talking low to middle, middle income um, rental areas, primarily seniors. Uh, so it's not just individual um, residences. But again, why it's taking three years? Unclear. Yeah. Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. We're just talking off air about another topic we discussed earlier on the show, and that is the surge in the number of uh, people taking their ICBC yeah. road tests. So these are new drivers, and the 50% failure rate. So half of these new drivers failing their road test. Now you passed your road test first try. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah.
But we were wondering if the road test back then is different. Was it easier back then? I think then? It, I, I've seen a recall. I've checked on this for a while. I think the, the new test is significantly more difficult and complicated. I mean, back in the day, you know, make a left-hand turn, merge into traffic, parallel park. Okay, you're done. Yeah. You know, now I think it's a little more complicated. Also, when we had this graduated licensing system, which brought in a number of years ago, I know a lot of people, uh, young people, who have had an N forever. Yeah. They don't go in and get the final the final test. They can't be bothered because they can continue to be on the road with an N. Um, and again, anecdotally, I think it is a, um, a tougher driving test. But it's also interesting about a surge in demand for driving tests. Yes, so that's up like 23%. For, for a number of years, the number of young people, millennials, which just were not getting their driver's licenses. Yeah. It wasn't part of the, that culture as much as it was older generations. And I wonder if, the, if this is just a pent-up demand in the pandemic. Remember, we did stories in the beginning of the pandemic. There were no road tests. You couldn't be in a car with someone. Yeah, right. right. So I think a lot of that. This, Maybe this, this surge, is the pent up demand. I would, I would have to think it's a it's a, a surge attributed to people delaying this for a couple of years because yeah. you literally could not get a road test. Do you think there should be mandatory professional training for new drivers? Some people think there should be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, not everybody can afford that unless it, you know you you shut out low income people because they can't Ooh, get you can't yeah. get training when right. what vehicle might be the difference between literally being able to afford to live uh, somewhere. So I'm not sure mandatory training is required. Okay, call me on that one. Star 9898. You call me right now, you'll get through. Star 9898 on your cell. Rob and Chilliwack. I'm always calling, counting on Rob and Chilliwack. Rob's call. always there. You can, Mike. I love the show, and I like getting my two bits worth in there. Always <laughs> try to be diplomatic, but thank you, guys. Uh, you know, so Adrian Dixon, that announcement yesterday, first of all, I'm not a believer that I should be providing air conditioners for for people to put in their suites sorry but that's that's not up to me in that statement he made though guys did you hear anything about long-term care my mom's in long-term care in abbotsford i get emails make sure you bring a fan in for for your relative for your loved one okay fine she has a fan but it's why is there no mandate to have you know a set date to say we need central air conditioning in long-term care homes so adrian dick if you're listening and i hope you are you get an f but oh right, Thank you, you. you don't believe in you don't believe in letter grades anymore. So <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. You are very slow at comprehending what British Columbians need. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you, Rob. Yeah, I think changes are coming to long-term care, but it's interesting. Rob raises the letter, made a joke about letter grades. Yeah. You know, this we talked about this before. This sort of came out of nowhere, as far as I can. And actually, there's a story out today that shows that most people consulted about this opposed. Uh, they oppose the change, including uh, most teachers. Yes, most teachers and yeah. parents. I went through this. I remember the Mike Harcourt government, um, I think, inherited the changes brought in by the Sullivan Commission, with Royal Commission on Education. And the public backlash at getting rid of letter grades was considerable. They backed down on and it. And they backed down on it in the yeah. early 1990s. And I'm not sure what's driving this thing. Robin in Kelowna. Hi, Robin. Go ahead. you got 30 seconds. Okay. I think that the graded driving schools that teach all these kids to drive should be allowed to let them take their road test and pass them instead of going by CBC. Mm. That's my opinion. Yeah, why? Do you think kids, that would just make it more efficient or something? Or why would you want that? Well, well, why wait six, eight months to get your road test? My grandson just went through all this. And I mean, why, why aren't driving schools allowed to uh, grade them if they're professional drivers? 
Thank you for the call. Uh, yeah, interesting question. I'm not sure why ICBC should have a monopoly on that. but um, again, Well, presumably you, because you wouldn't want some fly-by-night driving school just rubber stamping people's well, license. Well, I assume there'd have to be some sort of accreditation levels yeah. for driving schools. I mean, you know, Steve Wallace, the late Steve Wallace, had a very good driving school here in Victoria. It's now yeah. run by his wife. So yes. that, I mean, that's a top, that was a top-notch school and continues to be so.